This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 217, recorded on June 4th, 2015. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of the planets. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech gadgets that find their way in your News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a stormy, thunderstorms rolling through tonight, stormy Bellevue, Nebraska. In fact, we were on Periscope earlier today in the pre-show, and uh, we had some folks from the, the Omaha area join us on Periscope, so it was pretty cool. And, of course, we post the, the show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can contact us. Send us an email. Just send that to me, jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can uh, track me down on Twitter at jcollison. Or now call in those questions, 402-478-8450. Give us a call, and uh, as we have time, we'll respond to those questions on the show. Of course, theaverageguy.tv is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, and high-speed hosting from people that you know and trust. Of course, that's Christian, and uh, and he has a couple spots open. If you're looking at starting a website, this plan start at 10 bucks a month. It's a great deal, and uh, you get the you get the great power of the big guys and all the service of the small guys out at Maple Grove Partners, maplegrovepartners.com. We want to thank Roger over at WLMN Radio for streaming us daily out there in Grafton, West Virginia. We're on, I think, like 10 or 11 a.m. every single day, Monday through Friday, out to Terrestrial Radio out in Grafton, West Virginia. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts. And some good ones out there. If you're new to the show, you should check them out, thegeeksnetwork.com, and uh, you can join us in chat, watch or listen live. We're available on YouTube, Spreaker, Mixler, Audio Boom, everything. You can get all our podcasts. We're everywhere. You can find us everywhere. But all those links are available out at TheAverageGuy.tv. All right, we have a home automation show for you tonight, and then anything else we want to talk about as we get done. And I did not know this when I booked this uh, show, but the last time I had these two guys together, I guess we talked about home automation. So First, I want to welcome Mike Wieger back. Mike, welcome back, and uh, and glad to have you out. Yeah, good to be back. Tonight's conversation is going to be a fun one, something we've been kind of throwing into the show a little bit each week, and so now we're going to have a whole show on it. Pretty excited. Very cool. And then, of course, we want to welcome back, and I think we were trying to figure out, I think it was fall last time he was on the show, but John Greenway. John, welcome, and uh, and thanks for coming back. Hey, Jim, Mike. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. I, I looked it up. I was here November 15th was the last Hi. time we were all together, so about every six months. Yeah, we were pretty close, and that's not bad. Uh, you know, six months, like things change in six months. If yep. you do two or three months, not a lot changes, but six <laughs> months is a good time. So you're in the middle of winter there in San Francisco, and uh, and so, you know, you got to head down to the – you got to head down to San Jose to get uh, any nicer weather uh, during the summer, but uh, you're suffering in San Francisco, right? Yeah, well, I, I work in here in San Francisco, but I live out in uh, the Walnut Creek area, so I go I go out home, and it'll be middle of summer. So, <laughs> and it's crazy how fast that changes over from San Francisco yeah. to Walnut Creek. And uh, if you take the BART train out there, you know, you go down underneath the bay, you come back up in in Berkeley, and it's still kind of a little foggy. You shoot through the mountain, you come back out, sunny, like it's a whole different country, right? Yep. It's Brown and it's. I mean, that I was always I was always amazed at between in that route there that Walnut Creek would just be hot and dry and San Francisco would be foggy and wet. That's exactly the way it is. And if if you don't live around here or aren't from around here, people don't understand that. So it's kind of funny. No, it's two completely dif- different you know ecosystems that you have there. Well, welcome. We're glad that you could join us back in. We're going to dive right in. John, the last time we had you on, we talked a little bit about home automation. In fact, you reminded me that it was Mike who kind of turned you on uh, to this Echo B thermostat of sort. And I don't know how we want to go through this, but let's talk about maybe the last, let's start us with the last six months since we had you on. Mm-hmm. You're, you've kind of joined us in the home automation journey. What have you put in? Just kind of give us your story. Yeah, so... Um, I remember we were closing that show talking about things that were on the radar, but not necessarily a priority for me. I had done a few small things. Um, and first of all, by no means am I a home automation expert. I, I'm listening to the podcasts and d- dabbling, I would say, just like most of us probably are. Um, but I did happen to buy a new house last August, or, or I, you know, I bought a bought a house last August and started wanting to do some things for safety, convenience, and saving some money. 
And at the end of that podcast, we were talking about thermostats, and I said, you know, I really want to, you know, I'm interested in the Nest, but it didn't quite get me. I wanted the ability to have remote sensors. And literally, if I looked at that date, you know, November 15th, I think the Net, I think the Ecobee 3 came out within a week or a couple of days prior to that. And Mike, I hadn't even heard of it yet. I was, I've been watching for, uh, for thermostats with remote sensors. And Mike pointed it out and sent the link through the chat. And I brought it up. I started getting curious. I think I bought one in, bought two of them. I have three zones in my house. I bought two of them in November and December. Didn't even get them installed until February, but I've been kind of expanding the footprint ever since and starting to kind of really rely on the capabilities, and I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Um, so the basic gist with the Ecobee is, you know, it, it's your typical smart thermostat. It's internet-connected. Um, one of the differences between it and the Nest is it, it requires uh, what's called a C-wire, which is power from your thermostat. Uh, Nest kind of sips uh, energy different ways and charges up a battery. Um, but it also has these remote sensors, which really kind of are the, the, the key feature that makes it different. So with the remote sensors, I can say for a particular time of day, I want sensors one, two, and three in, in the main part of the house to be live and feeding the thermostat. And it'll, it'll do some type of averaging. Um, maybe at night, I don't want one, two, and three used. Uh, I want to use <clears throat> the fourth sensor, which is in my bedroom, because that's the only place we are from 10 o'clock until 6 a.m. Um, and it, it, you can essentially, for each thermostat and for each um, uh, time of day that you have a, a setting, uh, you know, a, a temperature setting set for, um, it, you, can, you can customize it that way and essentially create your own mini zones and make them variable depending on time of day. Um, and what I think is really neat uh, and kind of, I'm, I'm all about the money saving. The comfort's okay, but um, when we leave the, we leave the house, Nest, I guess, um, lauds itself as the, as the learning thermostat. It needs to learn your routine and, and sets up a, a schedule for you. This is still more of a typical thermostat that you can program on, you know, using the computer or, your, or, the, or the phone. You set the times of day that you expect you'll be home or not home, but, you know, my family is off to school different days of the week and different times of day, and my wife uh, is working at home, but sometimes she's out with the kids. So the sensors actually look and see, has there been motion recently? And if there hasn't been motion, it, it will drop the settings back to whatever you allow it to do. It won't, you know, it won't set it down to, you know, or up to 105 degrees in the summer or, or down to 50 in the winter. But if you say a plus or minus five degree variance, it'll go to that less uh, expensive setting until, until you come home. And the first time it sees you walk by one of the sensors, I happen to have mine right at my light switches. So every room we go in and out of, we're triggering it as we move around. Um, and then it'll say, oh, they're home. So th I'm going to resume. That's called their, their smart home and smart away. So rather than learning a schedule, most people don't have really good schedules these days, um, it, it follows you essentially. Um, and I guess the, the last kind of key main feature is um, it actually has a setting called follow me. So let's say in a, a particular time of day, you have four sensors live feeding the system, but you're only in two of those rooms. It'll actually say of those four sensors, you know, these two are more important. They give a higher weighting to the to the comfort settings in, in those rooms because I'm in my office working after after hours that the kids are in bed. My wife's in the TV room, but the kitchen and the dining room don't really need to kind of be precisely where you had them set. So it'll just weight those two sensors more than the others, even though the others are also live and, and potentially feeding it. So um, it, it's really it's really been a good investment. I think um, I've actually been watching my energy bill, and it's it has been, it has been lower than um, what it, we're different owners than this time. You know, kind of year over year, it's a different owner in the house from last year. But I have her old utility bills, and I can kind of see what things were. Um, and then you know, I guess John, cost wise, yeah, let me ask you just real quick. So cost wise, I'm seeing on the site about two thirty for the unit with a sensor, and then you have to purchase additional sensors. That that's correct. So yeah, how much I, are those those extra sensors? I think the pair is uh, eighty dollars, and okay. if you buy them with the thermostat, you can get an extra fifteen off as, as a pair. I actually both both of the thermostats I bought for two of my three zones, I bought in um, it was kind of a, uh, a Black Friday and post Black Friday deal where they actually threw in a free pair of uh, remote sensors. So for the two, at the time the price was two fifty. And um, I got the sen I got the thermostat, the sensor that came with it, and the two additional sensors for the full 250. So I thought that was that's really a good a good deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same price as the Nest, right? So for the Basically, price yeah. of one Nest, 
you're getting the thermostat plus three sensors. What about in, so in my house, we're a one zone house. Does that, do I need a sensor in every room? I mean, how does that benefit me to have that if, if I'm a one zoner? Well, you know, for me, I had a, uh, I actually had a setup back in Massachusetts before we moved to, we were living in the Boston area and before we moved out to California. Um, my, <clears throat> we had twins uh, four years ago this week. My twins turned four uh, next weekend. And their bedroom <clears throat> was directly on top of the garage. And the garage was not heated. And their room in their, within their zone was much cooler than the other rooms in the upstairs of the house. Uh, it was something that actually concerned us a lot back then because they were just babies. And so I actually had installed a uh, kind of, it was almost a professional system that I actually had to run a wire up through this, up through the attic over to their room to have a remote sensor in there. And I did something similar, whereas these sensors are now all wireless. Um, so obviously if you have hot rooms and cold rooms, even in my house right now, um, in our family room in the late part of the day, it's west facing, it gets boiling in there. It's a big I don't know, eight foot wide and 10 foot high window. Um, so at that particular time from like 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., I'll actually kind of adjust the settings of which sensors are included so that we can make sure the house stays cool enough uh, in that situation. So if you have hot zones and cold zones, even in your in hot rooms and cold rooms within your one zone, you can certainly use the sensors to, to customize what, what you're looking to, to, to receive. And it also, it also focuses the, the right comfort level. If you want it to be 74, using that follow me feature, it's going to be 74 where you happen to be sitting, not where the thermostat happens to be. I was just uh, visiting with a friend of mine um, who we talk about these things a lot. He actually decided to buy one of these. His thermostat's in the middle of a hallway at the top of a stairwell. And the heat comes up from downstairs, so therefore the, the upstairs never actually, heat never really turns on. But if the doors are closed at night in particular for the kids, the, those rooms aren't getting any heat. So in, that, in his case, we turned off his thermostat, actual, you know, the actual device on the wall as a sensor because it, it's also its own sensor. Um, so we turned it off and said, you know what, we're going to put a sensor in each of the three bedrooms, and those are what drive the on or off settings for the upstairs zone in his house. So those are kind of two situations where you know, having the remote sensors can allow you to drive heat where there wasn't one, where there wasn't heat before uh, because of bad placement of where these things, you know, get put. Michael, you looked like you wanted to jump in there. No? I didn't. No. no. <laughs> he covered it. It was good. Sounds good. So it's got some more flexibility, right, when we compare it to the Nest, and that's the key in some of this is that, you know, it's interesting. Uh, their, their slogan on their site is for homes with more than one room. Yeah, uh, which is right, kind of poking fun at, at the nest thermostat. And really, the traditional thermostat is still a one-room thermostat in a lot of cases. And so, it it is. You know, ours is in the hallway up there, and I've I've we've got some other issues in the house with uh. You know, we kind of compensate with those with fans, and that seem in the at least in the summer that seems to work out okay for us. In the winter, we do okay um, from that re regard. But so going back then to the features, you you said it's got so it. With Nest, it's kind of learning. With Echo B, uh, walk us through. So you, you kind of alluded to it, but walk us through. As you were starting to set this up, what kind of setup did it take? Now, did you install this yourself, or did you have a contractor come I in? Did. and you, yep. you did it yourself. So you can do it yourself. Would you recommend? I mean, is it an average guy thing, or is it kind of, you know? No, you know, honestly, you know, I, I have uh, my backgrounds in electrical engineering, but... That, I don't think that qualified me to do this. Uh, I'm not afraid to go down and turn off the uh, turn off the uh, fuse, of the circuit breaker, and and open up the the the, um, the heating unit. And the reality is, I think that it seems the biggest complication with with this device potentially is if you have a home that has a four wire instead of a five wire system, assuming you have heat and air conditioning. And and they actually have an add-on kit that lets you convert from the four wire to the five wire. So even that I think is an average guy thing. You basically have to um, open up open up your furnace and make sure that all five wires are connected assuming you have all five. If it's just four, you put this little converter kit in between and then essentially take off the old thermostat up at the up at the wall and connect the right colors, you know, and they have various wiring diagrams on the website and those types of things. So um, I think the, the stat they quote is um, approximately at maybe 50% do self-install and 50% have a, have a pro do it. You know, the biggest thing is obviously you don't want to open up your furnace without making sure that everything's shut down properly. Okay. So a little more than, 
maybe a little more than the average guy, so to speak, but but as someone who's got some electrical, who's maybe done that before, who's comfortable with the fuse box and maybe running some wires or doing some things, they'd be okay to do a self-install. Yeah, and I say, I'd say like most things what we get involved with, you probably have, if you can't do it yourself, you probably have a friend who probably could help you with it. Okay. Well, Becky in our chat room, and by the way, Becky came over from a, a Periscope conversation we're having. So, Becky, welcome. Glad to have you in here. It's great to have some gals in the chat room for a change. Becky has said she's been looking at the at this Echo B, and which is can get really confusing with the Echo Mike. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm calling Echo. this one Eco B, just because I think it's like eco friendly. Oh, it eco is B. Eco. I've been saying yeah. Echo, but it is Eco. My bad. Yeah. That's yeah, right. No, my bad. You should have corrected. She, you should have jumped in and went, Jim. Don't be an idiot. It's not an. Well, echo I, I don't know if I had it wrong or if you had it wrong, and then you know. <laughs> you know, you got dude. You're the co-host. You got to protect me on this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm still <laughs> learning. Taking the robes. <laughs> you know, what, what am I going to do with it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so eco B. Um, so uh, not maybe not the average guy install, but most most folks can do that. Uh, and get it done. John, talk a little bit about your setup then. Once you've got it in the wall and you're doing some other stuff, how long? I mean, you got to do got to do a little training or a little telling or a little programming. So what did that look like? You know, I, I've pretty much left. Um, I've left the 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 main three comforts. They call them comfort settings. So in their case, they have home, away, and sleep. You can create additional settings. Uh, so you might create one called you know early morning or, or early evening if you really want to kind of change your preferences. But in general, for the most part, my wife and I like it to be a certain temperature when we're home. So the home setting, you know, every you have a seven-day schedule. You go to Sunday and set, you know, for heat, I want it to come on when it's below 68. And for air conditioning, I want it to come on when it's above 85 or above, above 78, 82. Um, and you do that each of the days of the week. So some people who do have a work schedule where both adults and all the kids are out of the house from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. on weekdays. You can set that up. You can have it different for the weekends. It's essentially a seven-day thing, and it's all done. Even in the old days, the uh, the seven-day programmable thermostats, you're sitting there at the wall and notching things up and notching things down and incrementing to the next day. This is all done on the computer. So once it connects to your, your Wi-Fi, and by the way, it does connect to Wi-Fi um, for its, its connection to the Internet, um, and then you log into your account, and you can do everything on your phone, on your on your tablet, on your uh, on your on through the website. Uh, program those things, and then similarly for each of those settings, for home, away, and sleep, you say, all right, for each of my thermostats, what sensors do I want included in that in the zone? So, like I mentioned before, you know, if you happen to have a you know top of the stair getting heat from downstairs thermostat location, you turn that off from your home away and, and bedtime. And for for sleep, you just turn on the ones in the bedroom and forget about the rest of the house. I mean, it may or may not be the same temperature as you want it to be, but the bedrooms most certainly will be. Uh, so is there if-then-then-that then, then support as well, beyond actually, the traditional yeah. programming? Uh, well, there there is. So all of the, the traditional programming is set, and, and that's where you set these comfort settings. Uh, but it also does have if-then-that if integration. And I'm actually using that along with, my, um, along with my alarm system. So, for example, I mentioned it has smart home and smart away. So when we leave the house, if we're going out on a day trip to, uh, um, you know, to go, go down to San Jose gym and go to a Sharks game, um, <laughs> hmm. um, you know, two hours later, somewhere around one and a half to two hours later, all those sensors are going to say, we haven't seen anybody in a while. It's time to move the settings back. I said, you know, that's not actually as efficient as I'd like it to be. I'd love for it to know the moment I walk out the door that to turn it back to the um, to the away settings from home um, without me actually having to do anything, right? I don't have to walk up to the thermostat and say, I'm going, I'm checking out now. So I said, you know what? I have, I have a home alarm system, which is another topic we can cover maybe briefly today. Um, the moment I, on my little key fob, the moment I hit the fact that I'm putting the alarm system into away mode, that means no one's in the house. If there is someone in the house, it's going to be setting off the alarm. They're going to be calling me. So I have if-then-that set up so that when I click my away, my alarm system, and it's a little bit funky the way it has to happen, but the alarm system sends an email to my Gmail account. And if-then-then-that is watching a particular folder in my Gmail account, and I have a, you know, a little routing set up, when it sees a new email pop into there, it says, you know what? John's gone, so I'm going to go right over to the away mode immediately, 
rather than two hours later, an hour and a half later, when the smart home or smart away kicks in. Um, so that's the way. I, that's one of the ways I'm using if then then that. So um, you know, it's it's definitely. We, first of all, we're not perfect about setting our alarm system. So I still have the backup of the two hour window when when it'll default over to to that setting, but. Uh, it does, and it also does allow, and I haven't used these things for if, then, then, that, but it does have geolocation. It does have, you know, integration with any of the things if, then, then, that will, will do. Like, theoretically, I could have, you know, when it goes into home mode, I could have it turn on my cue lighting. Uh, I'm not doing those kind of things myself right now, but um, th that is one thing I'm doing with it. Very nice. Do you think you will as you, as you move forward? Is that stuff that you're just kind of holding back? Because, like... I mean, we can you can spend hours right on this stuff, yeah. and you're a busy yeah. guy. So, will will you use it, or do you think, eh, nah, I just don't need um, it? Um, in general, I'm trying to do things that my wife will see as valuable, either for convenience, comfort, safety, or or cost. Um, I don't see that she would see when we when it goes from away to home mode having a light turn on, she would just think that would be kind of something I'm doing just to have fun, <laughs> to be honest. Um, now, you know, that said, you know, I, I think I talked about this last time. I'm, I, the last, you know, November when I was on, all I really had at the time were some Hue lights. I had done a little bit of Insteon out in the front of my house with the porch lights. So every night at 8 o'clock, no, at sunset, because it's time to sunset, I have my Hue light in my family room come on, and I have it go off at 11 o'clock. Now, previously, when we bought that, light, that lamp, I had it stay on until five in the morning because we had a we had a dog who was super sensitive and getting anxious. Um, she's since passed, but um, so but that hue light we now have come on it at at dark at dusk and go off at eleven. That's kind of our little trigger. It's time to go to bed, guys, for, for my wife and I. Um, and so I'm using that automation again for convenience and and making and for safety for walking around. Um, so, you know, those are kind of my, the four things I'm looking at is, is convenience, comfort, safety, and cost for things on projects I'm looking to do. Yeah, no, very cool. And an announcement this week, uh, or was it last week, Mike, this year, better at this home kit, uh, you would, you talked about on your show. So open mic night, omnpodcast.com If you want to listen to Mike's Apple based <laughs> podcast, um, home kit, what is that? So how is this going to play in Mike? What have you seen on this? I know you guys talked quite a bit about it on Tuesday. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot more come WWDC next week. I think we'll start to see the ins and outs of how things are going, but pretty much all they've said so far is that the first round of HomeKit-ready devices, have got, the list is kind of out there. And so we saw some uh, power switches. We saw the Ecobee. The Ecobee was kind of the main one we focused on. That's all I saw, but since then, I heard. I think I, there was someone else talking on Twitter about it. I haven't read up on what they're thinking now. But WWDC, I think we'll learn more. Now, the rumor a while back was that the... Apple TV is going to be the hub of HomeKit. And what HomeKit is going to be is kind of like a central, almost like a backbone for all of your home-connected devices. So all of, you know, your your lights, your thermostat, all of those smart things in your home are going to be able to connect into this HomeKit. And it's going to kind of be this one place you can go to control all of those things. And so I think we'll learn more next week. But John, was there anything else that you had seen on that front that maybe I missed? Um, obviously, I saw the news. Uh, I am a zero Apple product guy. No, no, okay. no offense to anyone, but um, I'm Windows, Android, uh, previously Palm, uh, dedicated fanboy. Uh, so I, I'm actually happy. I'm happy to see the Ecobee system um, expanding, especially for the people who who do, are in the Apple environment. Um, I'm actually part of an Ecobee. Uh, I don't know what to call it, like a like a core customer group where we provide advice and feedback and uh, you know go through challenges to earn points and do other, and get certain other benefits through the company and with the products. So uh, they had uh, kind of given a heads up that that was coming, um, and like I said, I'm excited about it, but it, that's not relevant for me. Gotcha. So it is going to be supported in HomeKit, right? We know that for sure. Yeah, right. And actually, a Nest is not going to be supported, at least right away. So if you are going for this, Ecobee is going to be the one device you're going to use if you want HomeKit to be your setup. Well, and of course yeah. it's not, right? Because Nest is a Google product. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, and, you know, Mike, the one thing to point out, though, to, uh, as word of caution for those who are, who are thinking about this, especially if you're an Apple, is the first generation Ecobee, the one I have, is does not have the appropriate radios in it to be... Um, 
HomeKit enabled. So they're they're essentially changing, they're eliminating that line and, and launching a new line that will have the same benefits if you're not an Apple person, and will have the benefit of being in HomeKit if you are. And they announced for those of us who are owners currently to sit tight for a couple days, and that they would be announcing a plan for, you know, handling those of us who are early adopters is from the Ecobee perspective. I imagine we'll have some type of trade-in program or or trade-up program uh, of some type, but they haven't announced the details yet. Uh, there, there definitely were some people on the bulletin boards within the Ecobee um, uh, website for for the early adopter, you know, the, the the group that I'm a member of, who were a little upset about this. And it seems like they've already kind of uh, have a plan in place. They just haven't shared it yet. Well, it's good to see they're taking care of you though, and doing something at least for you early adopters. So yeah, it's good to see. And then they're really, you know, they're out there every day trying to get feedback and insights. And, you know, they, they had, they had, they have like little challenges where one of them I had to do with my wife, you know, what, what, what are your favorite, what, what are your settings I would put on the thermostat for cool and heat versus what she would put? Like it's, it's, you know, they're really looking to get uh, insights into their customers and, and I haven't had to deal with their customer service per se, but um, everything I've heard about those who have say it's, it's top notch. So. Well, and the home kit too is something, you know, it's, it's not even proven. It's kind of a weird concept. I don't even know if it's honestly something that people will even focus on or feel the need to upgrade to. For me, now that I have, now that Jim's ordered and played with Alexa, the Echo, and now that I have one on the way, I'm thinking that's way more of an intriguing ecosystem to be in besides HomeKit. I like being able to just talk and have something hear me. Whereas if I'm on HomeKit, do I have to wake up Siri? Do I have to open up my computer? How do I even activate it? Which, like I said, I'm sure they have that. They've thought of it, and we'll hear more at WWDC. But So it might not even be a big problem. You know, It might not be even something you'd be interested in. Obviously, you're not because you're not an Apple person. Yeah. But even the everyday, we, we have other options besides HomeKit. So it's not a break it or make it or break it deal at all. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like HomeKit's going to be a big investment, right? We're talking an Apple TV. Right to get to get in on this. Supposedly, that's the rumor. Yeah, and okay, it's going to be a new Apple TV, so you'll get a little bit more for your money because they brought down the current Apple TV to sixty nine dollars, and it was originally a hundred. And so they're going to be coming out with probably a new Apple TV. It's going to have some higher functionality, and that'll be it. That'll be your hub. Um, again, that's all rumored. You might be able to run it off some other devices, but yeah, it's not a big investment at all. Hundred dollars, which is cheaper than the Echo, but also you don't get all the cool features of the Echo. Well, I paid a hundred bucks for my Echo, but oh, that's right. Yeah. Did you end up paying one fifty? I paid one fifty. Yeah, that's the price right now for Prime members. So yeah. No, yeah. John, have you looked at the the Echo since I screwed up the name uh, for the first ten minutes of the podcast? Have you looked <laughs> at the Amazon Echo at all and considered it? I'm definitely interested. Um, I haven't done anything yet. I am an Amazon Prime member. I don't know if that matters anymore or not. It still does. You still get a hundred bucks off. Okay. So it's two fifty if you aren't Prime. Got it. One fifty if you are. Um, you know, if it got to the point where we can control our hue, uh, if I could control inst- my Insteon lights with it, uh, potentially some music integration. The, the one thing I understand, I think, is um, it doesn't allow, it doesn't have an output, a speaker output, right? Or it doesn't have an output to say a um, an audio system. So if I could, if I could have an output that would go through my stereo speakers rather than just kind of whatever little speaker it has integrated. I could see a situation where we would get that, and my wife would, you know, say, play Bruce Springsteen, and it comes on in the living room, and the living room speakers start playing, you know, Bruce's, uh, uh, you know, whatever channel, so, or you know, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I wish it had come with just one connector, you know, like an out, yeah. that we could have run some things, you know, out of RCA or even just a standard out um, from a, you know, from a headphone jack from a, a 3.5 or whatever that millimeter jack uh, cable is that would be nice to have that i've really enjoyed it it would be great i mean i like controlling the music and the the sound the volume all voice commands i think the echo is doing it better than anybody else but not to get derailed on that standpoint (laughs) um uh, one more time for me you talked about this follow me feature uh, that's available in it and is that is it literally following you or is it just following the movement in the home no it's following movement in the home Okay. So like I said, I mean, by default, you say at this time of day for heat and cold, I want these mini zones on. I call them almost zones within a zone, right? You have a one-zone house. It's always going to kick out heat to all the registers throughout the house. But its control, whether it kicks itself on or not, is driven by the temperature in certain locations. So you might have all four of them enrolled, but if only two of them are active and have people in there, it's only going to average those two. 
and and they, they have some proprietary methodology. It's not like it's doing true averaging. I know there's some, you know, the degree of activity like gives a weighting to a particular room and then that weighting degrades over time if it doesn't see somebody. And then finally when it sees nobody for this one and a half to two hour window, that's when it kicks itself off and says, they're definitely away. Um, so that's the follow me. It's just like okay. if you have if you have four therm if you have four sensors and only two of them are showing people recently, it's going to say I'm going to take the temperature in those two rooms and say do I need heat or cold or nothing. Right. I think I so I I get it now the one zone, uh, in the <clears> sense. So I still could. So if I've got a zone where it's always cold all the time, it could be pumping a lot of heat to the rest of the house just to yes. get my zone temperature up. So you run a little risk there, right, in that zone of. If you're in there for quite a while, you might burn quite a bit or whatever, right? You might spend a lot of energy to kind of keep that area uh, yes. heated for you. Yeah. Okay. No. But, you know, the, the whole idea is comfort, right? So it right. wants you to be comfortable where you are. And if you're in that cold zone and your wife's in a normal zone, so, yeah, it might get a little warmer for her. And it won't get as warm as exactly as warm as you have it set, right. but it'll average the two. And um, that would be great to be able to have it control some baffles or some, some damage. Yeah. That's kind right. of the, the perfect solution, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, literally turn on and turn off certain ducts, you know. Now, my understanding is that messes with uh, air pressure within the, within the system and the fans and creates extra, you know, burns out fan motors if you do things like that. But um, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the next generation system, right? You literally have control of every single area of your house, whether heat's being pushed there or not. Whereas this doesn't do that, it's just kind of more about the comfort where you are. No, that's very cool. There's a, there's a, that's a, this is the first time I've really dug into this. I mean, we talked about it a while back. I have kind of let the thermostat go. We are moving in the next year or two, and I've kind of opted out of <laughs> most of home automation because I know we're going to change houses. Yeah. So I'm kind of just watching from behind the scenes. Uh, Mike, you mentioned when we were talking about the Echo. Uh, you're now like, hey, maybe I'll try some Hue lights with it, right? <laughs> you're you're having that conversation, uh, John. You've ins you've installed some lights from your security system as well. It sounds like you you had said, let's talk a little bit about your security system. What do you want to bring in on that? Yeah, I mean, I, again, this is one of those things when we talked about it just six months ago. I think I said, you know, I don't need a security system. The 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 monitoring fees and the contracts and all the wires to sensors and things like that. Um, weren't that attractive um, for the effort. We actually had the woman who moved out of the house left her system in place, and we kind of had it armed locally, but not to the monitored service. And then uh, in February, we found out that literally for months, um, mail had been being stolen from, from our mailbox um, outside. The police showed up at our door at 10 o'clock one night saying they had arrested somebody who had you know, bags and bags of mail in his trunk um, from the neighborhood. And in my case, my mailbox is probably 150 yards from my front door. It's, I can't even see it. I got to walk, you know, three minutes to get down to the end of the driveway or into the street really. So my wife got a little, you know, a little sensitive about this. I'm, I travel for work occasionally and she's like, you know, I kind of wouldn't mind getting an alarm system that was connected. And so I looked into and installed, um, a, a, from a company called SimpliSafe. Um, I don't remember where I saw it advertised, but I, I did want to find something that didn't have, uh, didn't necessarily have a long-term contract that could be a self-install. Um, one of the pluses about this particular system is it's entirely wireless. From the base station, it has a has like a 4G radio that connects back to the home office in New Jersey that monitors uh, for alarms. Um, and then all of the sensors themselves are wireless. So there's no, no more, you know, connecting anything. All the all the door sensors, all the motion sensors. Um, it does have, uh, you know, water leak sensors that I can put down by my hot water heater at, at the base to see if that would ever be leaking. Um, so I did the whole thing self-install. I am paying for the monitoring, which gives you kind of phone access to arm or disarm. I mentioned the key fobs. I mean, in the old days, you had to press the button and get out the door before you, the alarm system went off. In this case, we could be sitting in our garage backing out with the car, and I could just click the button on the key fob to arm it. Um, and then, as I said, like an additional bonus was it doesn't directly integrate with, with if, the, if this and that, but through its Gmail notification system or email notification system, I'm able to use it that way as well. So, you know, that was one component. Um, it doesn't actually integrate with the lights, which is, I think, where you were going, but I did do some additional Insteon work since we last um, got together. And I had kind of two sets of lights on the outside of my house, which should have worked together and didn't. 
so I put Insteon switches in both and link them up. Uh, and anyone who's done Insteon work knows you can kind of do whatever you want with that system. It's actually fairly fairly easy as well, as long as you don't electrocute yourself, which I mentioned earlier. Just <laughs> shut, shut down those circuits. Um, but now I had I had essentially two sets of lights, which were on two separate switches, that now I could control each of them from each other. Um, so um, I was able to put a sensor on the outside of my garage. So when my wife does pull down the driveway, those lights kick on. They stay on for three minutes anytime anyone um, comes in the area. And then same thing, if I want to crank them on from bedside at night, if, if the dog's barking or something like that, I can open my phone, hit the Instant app, and turn turn on lights around the house. Um, again, you know, safety and convenience um, certainly are, are a factor there as opposed to just the novelty of being able to do it. So. Oh, very cool. Mike, as you look at your setup, you know, you're looking at lights from a Echo standpoint, right? The Echo can turn on and off some Philips lights that's there. And I think they'll probably add more to that as they go along, and they'll sell those to you conveniently through the Echo as well. Right? Can, I, can I order you more lights, Mr. Collison? Um, <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your use case? I mean, how would you really like to see them used? Yeah, so I'm grabbing uh, the Philips Hue Lux lights, which aren't, they don't go in multiple colors, it's just white. Those actually aren't too, inex or, uh, they're not too expensive. They're only about $20 once you get the hub and everything like that. So I'm going to get a few of those for our living room and dining room. And then I'm going to get the Wemo switch for my studio lights. So I can just ask Alexa to turn on and off my, my light right here that I have for when I do my recordings. And so I'm going to do it for that. Mainly for us, it's just kind of a convenience thing. Honestly, we live in an apartment. Everything's, you know, just a few feet away. So you could get up and walk and turn them off. But just kind of getting into the whole atmosphere of having all of that automated. Also for when we're away on trips, just being able to tell if they're on and off or turning them on. And also for our dog. Um, our dog likes to have the lights on, at least I think he does. And so um, I'm always the one that likes to leave the light on for him, but sometimes we forget. So being able to turn it on for him when we're gone during the day or if it gets dark out and we're staying out a little bit later, stuff like that, just a mere convenience thing for us. And then being able to do it obviously from bed. We can have the lights on until we go to bed and then flip them off by just asking Alexa to do it for us. So so I've, I've heard two stories of dogs, uh, <laughs> uh, like, you know, justifying ho home automation, <laughs> you know, to, to be able, it, it, and it would make it easier, right? Those, they, sometimes they got to get up. In your case, John, you know, your dog needed that light to kind of feel comfortable. Yeah. That's pretty yep. cool to be able to do that and do it efficiently. Uh, and, and our lighting is getting so much better uh, with that, you know, being able to, to leave a light on a little bit longer and have it not burn. I mean, you know, the days of incandescence hopefully are numbered and we won't see any more of those. Most of the lights in your house, when you think about your lights, how many of them are on some kind of smart grid that you can control and how many are just a flick of a switch? Just a rough estimate. For me, it's it's literally, I think, three hue bulbs that I have probably among... 50 or 60 light bulbs in the so house. Pretty small. Very few. The, the, one, the one project I do have in the hopper is to, because uh, we also leave hallway lights on for our kids, and they're on dimmers. So they're, first of all, they're incandescent, but they are on dimmers, and when we leave them on at night, um, they're, they're on the lowest setting. My, one of my next projects is to put in a couple of additional Insteon switches with, with motion sensors to say, those lights only pop on when someone pops out of their bedroom. And I'm sure it's low dollars, actually, to be honest. I'm sure it's low dollars when you're leaving them on, you know, 11, you know, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. at that lowest kind of uh, slider setting on the dimmer. But for me, it's more about the principle that they can be 100% off because 99% of the time it's not needed. But the last thing we need is a kid falling down the stairs um, because they don't feel well and they're coming to see us in the middle of the night. So oh, I eventually well, I like I'll go there. Yeah, I was going to say, I like the grouping feature as well. So if you do have multiple of these, you can go in there and group them and say, hey, these three are the bedroom, these three are the living room, the kitchen. And then when you talk to Alexa, when you ask her, you can just say, turn on the bedroom lights. And she'll yeah. turn on all of them that you have grouped right there, which is kind of a, a nice little feature. I didn't know if Alexa was going to group or like work with that. I knew that Philips had that as an option, but it's nice that these home automation things like Alexa are now recognizing that and knowing that that's what we want. We don't just want one light on, we want all of the lights in that room. Yeah. Yeah, to be turned on. So I, I gotta say, Mike, the one thing about the the Philips Hue, and I, I do like the system. Uh, we do have. I bought one of those starter kits with the three colored bulbs and the um and the home hub. And the one thing that that I don't mind it, but really bothers my wife is that 
the light itself, and these are all screwed into like uh, tabletop lamps. The, the light switch on the lamp always has to stay in the on position, right? Because it always needs power. But we don't have a wall switch that she can she can turn that off. Now I know Phillips makes them. They make like button switches that that will actually turn those on and off. If we had an Alexa, maybe she might be more comfortable saying Alexa, turn off the the family room light. Um, but she doesn't necessarily like getting out her phone, finding that shortcut, like literally like an Android shortcut that I put on her home screen. Lights on, lights off. Um, she's less inclined to want to do that. She's it's a little bit frustrating. Um, so you're tied to that app, then there's really no way around that unless you have one of the buttons or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. And I've, makes sense. Yeah. So, but but you know, if there was an Alexa in that same room and she got up and we're done, you know, it's not quite eleven o'clock, so it's not turning itself off like I have a program to do. It's ten forty-five. We could just walk out of the room, and say Alexa, light off. Um, that would that would probably be ideal. It would take a little time to get her there, especially, but um, certainly better than you know breaking out the phone. Yeah, there is, there is a disadvantage. I think you know we tie, we're tying everything to the phones, and there is a disadvantage because I know when I come home, when I'm at work, I have my phone on me all the time. Super convenient to be able to pull that thing out. It's always with me, right? When I come home, I untether myself a little bit from the phone. Now, not on purpose. I just leave it laying. I'm just you know I'm comfortable with. It. I'll set it on the kitchen table, or it'll be in the kitchen, and I'll come downstairs. I'm not as keen to having it on me, and so that is a little less convenient. I think sometimes it's like oh. I'm gonna. I need. It's kind of like two-factor authentication, right? You, we, I've, I've tied all these. Now a lot of my accounts have two-factor, and by the way, the second factor comes to my phone. Well, if I, it's in another room, you know, I'm kind of screwed. I got to go up and get it. Yeah. Now that's not a big deal, right? I mean, I can just get up and get it done. I'm sounding pretty lazy here, but <laughs> it is one of those inconveniences when we, when we think we tie everything to the phone. I, it, where it, it gets a little wonky on us. I have been surprised at the adoption rate my daughter has taken to the Echo. And, I, you know, I mean, then the other day, and she's just, I mean, she is shouting timer commands at it and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I was like, oh, cool, she's totally comfortable. I mean, she was just talking to it like it was. She was making tea. They love to set a two-minute timer. She's like, Alexa, timer. You know, two minutes, boom, it's done. It's making, it's doing its thing. It, it beeps. She pulls it off. I mean, they have gotten very comfortable with that workflow in the kitchen using that. Now, the Echo added a Google um, a Google Calendar integration, so now we can have a shared calendar that we put things on. And to do that this morning, I said, I forgot, I said, hey, uh, Alexa, uh, play for me my flash report. And it goes to TuneIn Radio and gets NPR for me. I could set that <laughs> to anything. but And I get that five-minute flash report from NPR and the news, and then it follows it up with my local weather. And I thought, I was like, man, this is getting good. I mean, I, I really like this kind of stuff. We're gonna, I'm gonna look at lights at some point in time. We're we're just not. I'm just not to the point right now where I want to do the lights and the thermostat at the same, in the same, you know, token. Because you install that and then you show your house. You don't rip the thermostat out. Right. You know, I'm taking the thermostat with me. Uh, so I, I'm kind of holding off on that. Yeah, but you could, I mean, put in your smart one and then just keep your old one around. It's just a, it's mainly just a faceplate. It for most of them. I know you have to run maybe an extra wire, but you could also just put the old one right back yeah. on, yeah. probably pretty quick once you have it all wired. I don't know. I think I can wait at this point for me. Yeah, John, you mentioned uh, Simple Safe. Sim, sim, simply Safe. Simply Safe. Is that how they? I guess pronounced? I, say, I guess I say sim, Simply Safe, but yeah. safe. that's the Dave yeah. Ramsey promoted one, right? Yeah, Dave. Dave Ramsey is one of the one of the. Uh, that's where I know, heard about phases. it. Do you you recommend them? Has that been a great experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the key tenets. I mean, uh, I, I know when I was look, when I was looking at ADT because it was already ADT installed in, in the house. Uh, I want to say the monitoring for the equivalent level of service was about forty to forty five dollars a month with a two year contract, and the SimpliSafe monitoring is twenty five dollars a month. So it's not, it's not not huge, but a couple hundred bucks a year difference. Um, I like the I like the wireless features, and, and to be honest, one of the things they promote on is from an for an alarm system perspective, you can take it with you. Literally every component there is wireless, and they're all attached to your walls or your doors with those uh, 3M uh, pull tapes. So, you know, you, you can literally take every sensor with you if you decide to go to a new house, and you know, maybe the person that's moving in doesn't appreciate it, won't use it. Maybe you want to keep the service. 
uh, not not rebuy all that equipment, you know, because I moved into a house that had all this wired ADT stuff, and I tore it all out. <laughs> um, it, it was antiquated. Some of it wasn't working. When when someone came in, it was going to be another Probably like ten years old, right? It was going to be another. I think it was actually twenty years old because the oh, house okay. is twenty years old. Yeah. Um, so you know, that they do promote it that way that you can't take it with you. And I will mention the you know the older the system that I had in Boston where I installed that thermostat. The people who bought my, bought my house thought it was a little complicated, so they actually asked me to replace that system with a typical, you know, I had kept the old ones, uh, just like Mike pointed out. <laughs> so, Jim, not that you want to go do that, but yeah, it, yeah, I, depending, no. on who's, depending on who's buying your yeah. house, they may or may not actually want the smart thermostat if you well, were to put one in. I'm having a hard enough time just getting some of the basic stuff done. Uh, <laughs> insta installing home automation at this point hasn't necessarily been my priority, but yeah. it, I get it. I'm kind of, you know, I think we're in that, we're in those early stages of maturity with home automation. Yeah. And we're starting to see, you know, anytime companies start fighting, I think we're in, we're in a good spot, right? Where yeah. it's getting very competitive. People are using more of it. We are, you know, we, we're in a place where I think it's just going to get more competitive and better. So I think the next three years is really going to, a lot of things are going to change. I mean, you've already seen, like, your thermostat's already outdated, right? It's not going to hook yeah. into some of the other stuff already. And so yeah. um, that unit's pretty expensive. And, um, and so... I think for a lot of folks, they're kind of in a holding pattern, you know, at this point, like, well, we'll kind of wait and see. I would be more inclined when I move into a new house to just outfit it at that point in time and say, okay, what's good on the market right now? I don't feel like, like, I, I wouldn't worry about a door sensor or some of those kinds of things from a security standpoint, at least not where I live right now. I'm, I feel very safe in this neighborhood, but I would love some of the lighting automation right. to, you know, like you said, uh, leave the living room light on until midnight that's it we're all usually in bed by that point and then it would just shut itself off it's in a hard spot to reach you know and there's easy ways to do that it's just at this point in time i haven't done it yet yeah you know? that makes sense yeah well and i even was starting to play with the using the raspberry pi as a motion sensor camera there's actually some simple software you can load up on a raspberry pi plug it in somewhere and plug in a usb webcam and it'll have auto uh sensing and saving it to a hard drive and there's just little bits like that the once you start piecing them together they start to become really interesting and a lot of fun and i think as we move on people become more and more interested in it Things like Alexa makes it easier to use. You know, like you said with your wife, getting out the phone, kind of a hassle, but if you can just talk to something and it works. So I think as I think it's a combination of all these things coming together that's going to kind of build up the momentum and get more people to start using it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Becky had said in chat she's hooking up the Google Calendar to her Alexa or to her Echo. Yeah, like, I saw <laughs> they got support for that. Have you used yeah, that, Jim? It just came out. No, it hasn't. It, it came, you know, you have to refresh the app and then you can set up the, the Gmail account. Uh, okay. to it and, and get that done. So that's very cool. You know, with, you can do a shared calendar, I think, with it. And so that would, for you know, you could do that and say, hey, what's going on? Because I've always wanted a family calendar. You know, I don't necessarily need my calendar, my work calendar. That's what my phone is for. But there are things in the family calendar that I think we're going to use it for. So we'll set up, we'll, I don't use my Gmail account. So that'll probably become the one we start loading family things to so that we can say, Alexa, what's today look like? Or, you know, and she'll just read off what's on the calendar. Is that yeah. any sign that we're not going to see Google make their own product like this soon? I was wondering. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, are they prepping people to be able to use something like that with their calendar? Or are they saying, okay, you know what? We're not even touching the Echo's place. We're not doing that right now. So here, you can use Google Calendar with it, and we'll kind of back off on our, on our hardware end. I, I was wondering kind of what this is telling us on that. No, yeah, that's, a, that's a good question, John. Any, do you know any thoughts? No, not, no. not at all. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm an Android guy right now. Um, I imagine it would be kind of through the Android e ecosystem somehow. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't either. I I do know this. It wouldn't have been long before if this and that supported that. Really, I mean, it. If this and that has been really ramping up with Echo stuff, and if if you. You just go out there and look at all the recipes that have been made. People are finding all kinds of ways to use that to connect to the Echo. So right. it's it's pretty cool. I haven't burned a lot of time doing it. I need to, although or, or I don't. I'm really enjoying having it for what it does for us. You know, the, the stuff that we have is enough at the moment, but there will be more things coming when we think about that. And then what becomes the center of, it, of all our home automation, I think, is still yet to be determined and is in a pretty immature state. I mean, I think our sensors are good. 
John, you mentioned right. You have a water sensor in your basement there, or in something around the hot water heater. Have you you've done that as well? Yeah, and, and that's connected directly to the alarm system. So um, we have through that alarm system, we have the door sensors, the motion sensors, the water sensors, and then fire and CO2 or smoke and CO2. Those all um, would alarm. Well, all of them except for the the water sensor would alarm to the main main. Um, control point and then they'll, they'll call the police or fire department the the water sensor just notifies me through the app and through my through my phone um, yeah. yeah well and that's co2 and fire I mean this is an area that the nest has they've they've gotten a good handle on where mm -hmm. you know with their with their detectors that's all kind of integrated in with the with the nest thermostat although since they since Google has bought them man it really seems like things have slowed down over there which is too bad it's just yeah that, you know, Mike, to your point, it felt like maybe they were going to move in that home automation direction, and this was the first, you know, the first round of it. I haven't heard much. Have you, Mike? Yeah. No, that's that's why I, that was another reason that I got on this train of not knowing if Google's moving away from home automation or if they kind of have their home their own idea of where this whole thing needs to go. You know, I had I kind of have this secret hope that Apple is not going with the Apple TV as their HomeKit hub, and they're going to come out with something like brand new that no it was on no one's radar like for the first time apple actually kept their lips shut on something and they have a rock star device coming our way that can compete with alexa it's not going to happen it's not true then i mean at all but it's too bad because siri would have been a, a fairly decent interface for that right yeah if you combine siri with some of the the smoother voice of alexa i think you've really got something yeah. there Alexa's and with how connected siri is she does alexa well i think it has, has a, a lot to do voice. with the speaker too yeah um, so it makes it sound good. Yeah, her voice is a lot better sounding than Siri. No, it's really good. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like, wow, that is. I've put that thing. I've often thought about, and I don't. I wonder how long it will be before I can talk to Alexa through my phone, right? I mean, right. Why can't I just do? Why can't I query her smartness right off my phone? And yeah. Uh, and so uh, yeah, I'm surprised they don't. No, yeah, I think it's coming. I think th Amazon's being pretty smart about this. They are releasing one bit at a time. It seems like every two weeks they're in the news cycle. Hey, we've released another thing. Hey, we've released another thing. And they're being super smart about this. I, I mean, I really, it, it's it, it. If you know, if this had been a Microsoft deal, they would have released it, and then nine months would have gone by, and we would have heard nothing. <laughs> You know, and then all of a sudden they would have released a second version that you know made the first one obsolete. The although that's maybe the old. Let me say that's the old Microsoft. The new Microsoft's getting a lot better. But but yeah. um, uh, man, Amazon has been nailing it. And now the reordering. This is another feature in there, where if I bought it before, I, the other day I said, you know, um, uh, reorder my Cliff bars, and she <laughs> read it back to me what they were. You know, and you know, you just put the password in, and boom, nope, they're on, they're on their way. And that is a product that's like that easy smart button, right? That they talked about. That's a product I order every I don't know 20 days. I order a box. There's 12 in them. I use them after my workout. I want to order those when it's convenient. I I get to the end of the box. There's one in it. I just want to reorder it. Boom, send it to me. And uh, and so that man, that is slick. And I I do that on the phone too. You know, through the Amazon app. Just go in. Find it, reorder it, bam, I'm done. You know. Yep. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, John. Any other thoughts? Anything we didn't cover in your in your list here? No, I mean I just had two comments based on what we were just talking about. I mean, from the Google front, at uh, Google I/O that last week, they did Android did announce two kind of home automation related technologies. One is called Brillo. I think that's kind of like a miniature version of Android that they would expect Internet of Things companies to put on there as like the the operating system, so to speak, and a, uh, I think a communication protocol called Weave that I guess is supposed to be kind of helped with interoperability. Uh, and that's related to like the, the comment I was going to make about HomeKit and, and hubs. I mean, even in my house right now, so technically I have a, a security system hub. That's the base station that, that has the wireless 4G signal. I've got a... Um, Insteon hub that's connected to my router. I've got, I have a Philips Hue hub connected to my router. Um, and I want to say I have a, a fourth similar type thing. Um, uh, well, technically maybe even, you know, the Nest. I mean, the, the Nest doesn't have its own, not the Nest, but the, the Echo B, you know, it doesn't have its own hub, but it's also, you know, connecting back through. And I think, the you know, in a perfect world, these are all, you, you buy one hub and they're all interchangeable and they work with all the radios. I remember 
um, when I first started looking into this, um, I listened to the home automation um, podcast uh, that the guys over at, uh, oh, I'm just totally blanking on their names TMZ. right now. Uh, yeah, TMZ. Yeah, home uh, on. Yep. Yep, home on. Uh, Richard Gunther. Yep. And um, I remember getting really excited about a, a system called the Revolve. Um, that actually had all the radios baked in. It had Z-Wave and, and Zigbee and Insteon and everything you might want. And then I think Nest acquired them and shut it down. <laughs> so there, there is no there is no panacea right now of that single device that's not you know it doesn't have you know 50 cables coming out of it to different things and to, from your router. Um, so I think that's still the imperfect part of things, Jim. Like you said, three years from now, maybe that'll all come together and there will be a, a central, single place where you control everything, even if it's different technologies, and uh, where you can you know, have all your devices connected through one central point. But until then, we're going to have to, you know, those of us doing what we're doing or what I'm doing has to have to deal with it. Yeah, and it's got to be dropped dead easy, right? It can't be, this, this, is the, this is where the Echo just kills it. It's, it's just drop dead easy. You just... Yeah talk to it and it works and it's not working for everything there's queries she doesn't know mm -hmm. uh, when you ask and it's not but it's a lot of them are very good I, I think it's way better than Siri and Cortana uh, yeah. to be honest uh, although Cortana is going to get a facelift and an upgrade with Windows 10 I, there's this is going to be interesting I think we're going to see some new things uh, they're already in the newest builds of Windows 10 and I just loaded on my surface today so I could get a look at Cortana uh, there's some interesting things coming with that. And so, you know, Cortana has the advantage of in being embedded in Windows 10. With Windows 10 coming as, a, you know, an IT, uh, Internet of Things um, option as well, all of a sudden there may be devices around the house that can listen to us from anywhere, right? right. And I think that's the other thing, the limit of the Echo is in one place. And it doesn't have speaker sensors. Like, you know, it's the nest of... Yeah. Right? I mean, just to what we're talking about. We need about. the Ecobee version. We need the one with sensors all around the house. Right. I almost want to put a speaker in the, you know, there should be one in my bedroom and the bathroom and downstairs and right here at the desk. How cool would that be that if I had a little sensor or a little device that was the, a little speaker and a little microphone and I could hear it, you know, back and forth. So trust me, Amazon's coming with that. I know for <laughs> sure. That, that'll probably be the yeah. next upgrade on it. Uh, a couple of reminders on the home automation front. If you want to go to our home automation forums, guess what? It's just homeautomationforums.com. If you want to head out there, <laughs> Dave McCabe has set an, a really nice forums community uh, with a bunch of guys out there talking about home automation. So if you want to do that, John, you mentioned uh, home on, and I was on home on, oh, I don't know, a month or two ago. Richard right. asked me to come on, which was really nice of him to do that. But uh, you can go, you can get that. If you go to theaverageguy.tv, you can hear. The uh, if you look down in the section where I talk about uh, where I've been interviewed, you can go there. Uh, but I will give you an address here. The easiest way to get to that, let me just uh, pop over there here real quick, is the the digitalmediazone.com and uh, look for Home On. Richard does a great job. John, do you listen to that podcast? I, I do. I started behind, but listen to every single episode. I, I really I really enjoy listening to it. He he really puts it in terms the average guy can understand. Uh, gets a little geeky sometimes about certain subjects like lighting, but uh, it's always fun to listen to. And um, I think you know, Richard would even probably recommend there's three or four other you know deeper level podcasts probably that uh, that that are also out there that that if you listen to his show you'll hear about. So yeah, and I like Richard because he'll call it like he sees it. He's he doesn't paint over anything like yeah. oh it's okay. No, he's like if I don't like it, I don't like it. Yeah. And uh, so that's a great home automation podcast if you're thinking about if you want to get one of those. You know, we touch, if you're new to Home Gadget Geeks, we kind of touch on the on the very high-level top of these uh, enthusiast community that, uh, you know, we'll talk about anything, but uh, we won't necessarily, it's for the average guy. So it's for the, the, the person who wants to come and learn enough about it to maybe put it in. We bring experts like John in and Mike here and, uh, and say, well, you've done it, John. You're an expert. You've actually installed this thing. I would consider you a pretty good <laughs> expert on at least getting that installed. Uh, but uh, they've got some great uh, podcasts going on over the over there as well, and I would encourage you to if you hang out in the Geeks Network community long enough, you're going to hear a lot about home yeah. automation. That's just something that's coming up, guys. We're at the hour mark on this, uh, John. I'll say anything else that we missed in your notes uh, that uh, would be a, it would be bad if we let you go and, and didn't let you talk about it. No, I think uh, I think that it's been good to be on talk about this stuff, and like I said, I couldn't I couldn't recommend Ecobee three anymore. Uh, so 
obviously, if, if anyone has any questions, they can reach me through uh, through Jim or I'm Greenaway J in the forums. Uh, you know, home service show as well as home automation. Yeah, Mike, anything for you as we uh, as I kind of bring this in for a landing? No, I mean, I think uh, I think. I want to revisit this again after WWDC because I really do think we'll know a lot more about HomeKit. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, but we can pay attention to that. But yeah, no, nothing really in, on this front. I think we covered it all. Well, maybe, John, we'll look at getting you on a little quicker the next time if that announcement has some big stuff around this area and we're, we're going to talk about it. Maybe we'll try and get you a segment or two because two, there are some announcements of some things that are coming up in this area is going to move very, very quickly, I of course, think, over, yeah. the, over the summer. We're going to see a lot of changes to it. It doesn't take long for, you know, as soon as Apple jumps into it and gets it right, and, and these guys connect to that. Of course, Amazon's in that space and is moving very quickly on it. I think we're going to see some new stuff from Amazon, um, which is crazy. Google seems to be out. Microsoft seems to be out. Uh, you know, on it, and they're not. Eh, we're not going to mess with that too much. We'll stick with watches and Windows 10. Um, so there's, it's man, we got. It's a great, it's a great time to be alive. I'm not going to lie. This is awesome. Uh, I wish I was a little bit younger. I wish I was your age, Mike, to to you know to live in this because it's like, oh man, I'm. It would be great to be in my 20s and uh, and just see you're living in a good time, man. Trust me, you don't even know when we had dial-up modems. <laughs> I do. I remember that. Well, and my wife and I were just talking about that the other day. We were going through different scenarios on the drive home saying, okay, in our lifetime, will there be this? In our lifetime, will there be this? You know, well, we have robots in our bloodstream. You know, well, we have this. And it's just, it's crazy to think that, yeah, so we are, uh, I'm 24 years old. So in the next 50, 60, 70 years, just the amount of innovation that's happened in my last six, seven years that I've been into tech, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, John, do you have a few minutes to stay around for post show? Yeah, I'll stick around. Okay, hang tight. Let me uh, let me get through the final stuff at the end of the podcast here. If you're if you're a regular to the podcast, you can probably shut it off at this point because we're go well. If you're listening live, stay around because you want to hear the post show. Of course, you only hear the post show if you stay around for the live show. And we're live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv. Mike, the Periscope experiment was a huge success. Emma and Becky huge. came over. Love from it. Periscope and Becky is here in the uh, in the chat room, and uh, and John had said she's been thinking about this uh, the the Echo B and and getting it installed, and so man, what great timing to have her to pull her over from Periscope, have her on to uh, to hear you do this. So pretty cool. It was it's uh, one of those nights where it all comes together. But um, a couple reminders as you're on your way out. One, uh, we want to thank you for supporting the Average Guy, the, the tech scholarship fund that we have out there. Every time you purchase on, on Amazon, just go out to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon or theaverageguy.tv the slash Amazon CA if you're in Canada. And uh, those funds come back in, and we recycle them, hopefully, into some products that folks can use and test and write up on the platform. Or we do upgrades here uh, to the studio to, to keep the – network fresh and moving and new equipment and those kinds of things. So appreciate you supporting that as well. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, you'd, you'd probably be mad at me because I'm you. I owe you a newsletter for uh, <laughs> last weekend. I should have written it, but I just got so busy I didn't get it done. I actually have a really special one coming up. Uh, Mike, you and I talked about I had a coworker pass away a couple weeks ago. and I have some thoughts around that. I'm going to write it up. You'd be like, well, Jim, why would you put that in your podcasting newsletter, right? Well, because he was a fellow podcaster. And so I think it relates to what we do on the network here. And while those podcasts are not about this network, I want to share, I've just got some thoughts I want to share with you. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. All the back episodes or all the back newsletters are there. There's a little button that says sign up. Just give me your email address. I won't spam you. I barely send you email once a month like I, I tell you I'm going to do. Life is busy, but uh, uh, we got a special one coming up, so you might want to get signed up for that. Um, as well. I'll remind you, we're doing the uh, the home server show, Surface Geeks, AverageGuy.tv meetup in Indianapolis coming up here on September 12th. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, there will be a link to it in the show notes. Head out to those at TheAverageGuy.tv, and uh, we'll be in Indianapolis. 25 bucks gets you in all Saturday. Get you some good food, some great tech. Mike's coming with me. Is that still going to work, Mike? Are you still are you still planning the road trip? Oh, yeah. Yeah, back-to-back -back weekends being out of town. It's going to be awesome. John, it's, Road it's Warriors. A, yeah, it's going to be great. John, a little far for you to come from San Francisco out to Indianapolis. <laughs> so although your Some, flight – Someday. It, it, it's on the list for someday. Uh, 
not in the time budget nor money budget at the moment. Yeah. So it yes. Well, it's one of those things you'd actually get there quicker from San Francisco to Indianapolis than it will take Mike and I to drive <laughs> from Omaha to Indianapolis. And so it's it is a uh, it, we'd love to have you come out. Anybody can come in the United States. Fly overseas if you want. Indianapolis, September twelfth. Great time uh, that we have there. The link for the sign up and all that stuff. And I think we've already got to ten or fifteen, and we're going to cap it. Somewhere in the 30s. So if you are, if you're going to join us, uh, get out there and get that done soon. Many of you have been. Uh, I mentioned if you saw in the in the video, yeah, the new Maxi Mackie mixer is up and running, and actually, I really like it. Uh, there's some features in it that I didn't get with the Alesis MultiMix 8, like this USB. There's a little switch on here that says uh, USB pass through. And I can push that and all the sounds from my computer, which I didn't know I had it on when we were doing Cyber Frontiers the other night, will make it into the podcast, which makes it, it's almost like a mix minus. It's like a one button push mix minus type deal where what I'm playing, you guys can hear as well. So I could be streaming music into the podcast, which Mike, we might actually try. The Multimix 8 does have that though, by the way. Does it? Okay. Yeah, it does. way, Way to burst my bubble, man. We said to correct you earlier. When I did, when I didn't correct you last time, so I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Do I correct him? Do I not? Twice. Twice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One more and you're out. All right. No, I'm <laughs> you're good. We, uh, but I just discovered that on the uh, on the Mackie, I'm really liking the sliders as opposed to the knobs, and uh, it's been a good little box. The Multimix 8 is gone. I totally destroyed it with a whole glass of water. So, don't. Pour water on your mixing gear. And, Are we uh, going to do the office space thing where we take it out to a field and just totally crush it? Just beat up <laughs> living daylights out of it as we uh, as we celebrate its death. And, right. Uh, and so, anyways, we appreciate you, the listener, and you guys coming out tonight listening. Again, a reminder, if you want to join us live, Thursday nights, almost everyone except July. We I'll take the first week of July off. But just about every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at the average guy. TV live. Mike and I have a bunch of great guests, just like John, scheduled for you guys throughout the course of the summer. And so you're going to want to be out here. And if you missed last week, we had Clamor. And holy cow, that was popular. That, Mike, that, I got all kinds of stuff on that. So if you haven't, if you haven't gone back, listen to Clamor. And I heard you, that was your pick. Your yeah, show. it was. I love it. Yeah. So uh, go back and listen to those as well. And with that, uh, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>